Chapter Twenty One of The Bridge of History Over the Gulf of Time, a popular view of the historical evidence for the truth of Christianity, by Thomas Cooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Brett W. Downey. Chapter Twenty One Matthew's Gospel. Nobody knows who Matthew was? No historical identity about him? Nothing on record to connect Matthew with the history that he narrates? Let us see. He is called Matthew the Publican. The publicans, or under-tax-gatherers, were chiefly Jews, and their countrymen did not like them to fill the office. It was held to be derogatory to the character of one of the chosen people of Jehovah to collect a tribute to be paid to their pagan conquerors, and they were called publicans and sinners. The office and duty of the publican were to be present at his place of business at such hours of the day as were deemed proper, to receive the taxes, customs, or excise, as we should say, on taxable articles. He had, of course, to keep a full and correct account. He had to write down the name of the person who paid the tax, the name of the residence of that person, the date of the payment, the sum that was paid, the name of the taxed article, and its weight or measure and he had to present the full and correct amount, and to hand over the payment, either to some superior officer of the Roman government, or to some person of rank who farmed the tax, as we say, either under the emperor or the Roman senate. Now, a person who had these business qualities was a very likely person to write such a book as the gospel called by his name. The gospels are not, any of them, the composition of a Macaulay, or a Froude, or a Gibbon, or a Hume, or a Robertson. They are not books of splendid rhetoric, of showy ornament, or studied periods. They are very plainly written books, and Matthew was a very likely person, we repeat, to write such a book as the gospel which is called by his name. Likely? Why, he is called to be a disciple. He is appointed one of the twelve apostles, and he makes a feast at his own house for Christ and his disciples, when he is appointed to be an apostle. Then, henceforth, he is with the Master. He sees the miracles which he describes in his Gospel. He hears the parables, and that Sermon on the Mount which he reports for us. He can tell us, as an eye and an ear witness, of the wondrous compassion of the Son of Man for the wretched and suffering, and of his healing power. He can relate to us, from personal experience, with what love and kindness Jesus conducted himself towards his disciples. He can assure us, from personal observation, of his gentleness to the poor and lowly, and his unflinching reprobation of the pride and hypocrisy of the scribes and Pharisees. He can assure us how they persecuted him to death, and how one of his own chosen disciples betrayed him. He can describe the crucifixion and burial of Christ, and can present us with such facts as came to his knowledge and eyesight respecting the resurrection of his Lord and Master. Not know who Matthew was? no historical identity about him, nothing to connect him with the history he narrates. Why, he is just the historian we want. He is the very eye and ear witness we need. We do not want a mere literary man, lodging in a two-pair back somewhere in Jerusalem, who steps out languidly now and then to gaze on the young prophet of Nazareth through his eyeglass, amidst the crowds that shout, Hosanna to the son of David, in the narrow streets of the sacred city. We want our information, if we are to depend on it, from an earnest man who has companied with the Saviour and felt the divine electricity of union with him in heart and soul. 
the thrill of wonder and awe at his miracles, the glow of love at his pity and goodness and gentleness. Matthew is the very man we want. Don't tell us that we know not who he was. But stop, cries the objector. Remember that supposing you have really established the historical identity of Matthew, shown who he was, and his personal connection with the history that he writes, history, as you call it, remember that you cannot meet the two other challenges of Strauss, as to where they were written and when they were written. How will you, or can you, meet these challenges with regard to Matthew? He does not inform you, in any part of his gospel, where he wrote it, or when he wrote it. Perfectly undeniable. But such is the case with thousands of books. It is but rarely that the author himself, in his own book, except it be simply a biography of himself, tells us where he wrote the book, and when he wrote it, and it would have been an unusual and strange act if Matthew had done this in his gospel history. It is not in Matthew's history of Jesus that we should look for such statements, any more than we should look into Hume's history of England, or Rapin's, or Henry's, or Macaulay's, or Froude's, for an account of the exact dates when they commenced the writing, and when they finished it, and the name of the place where they wrote. But now I again solemnly challenge your thought and attention. Can any one of you suppose that the earnest Christian church, which put persons out of its pale when they gave up these gospels to be burnt, at the demand of a persecuting emperor, that the members of the early Christian church, who quoted the New Testament in their conversation, their prayers, their letters, their sermons, their treatises, and lived upon what they believed to be the truths of the book, that the Christian church, whose writers quoted these books so often that we can collect the whole New Testament, save eleven verses, from those works of theirs that remain and were written in the second and third centuries, kept no record where these their beloved books were written, nor when they were written? The supposition would be absurd. We can seldom have contemporary evidence of the authorship of a book when we go back to the times long before our own. But when we have evidence close upon the time of the existence of an author, and this is fortified by evidence that thickens immediately after, we never think of doubting. In matters of this sort, this is evidence of the highest kind. Now this is the kind of evidence we have for the authorship of Matthew's Gospel. The fathers, who knew the apostles or their companions, declare that Matthew wrote this gospel, wrote it at Jerusalem for the Christian church there, a large but poor church, and therefore wrote it in their native dialect, and wrote it before the destruction of Jerusalem. Pompeius, the disciple of John and companion of Polycarp, Irenaeus, the disciple of Polycarp, Origen, the disciple of Irenaeus, and after Origen, Eusebius, Jerome, Cyril, Chrysostom, Augustine, and others combined to give us this evidence. That Matthew's gospel was written at Jerusalem and for the Christian Jews may be considered certain, because he so often refers to Jewish customs, but never explains them, and so often quotes the Jewish scriptures, seeming to keep the instruction of the Jews before his mind as his guiding thought. That Matthew's gospel was written before the destruction of Jerusalem is evident because he perpetually writes as if everything remained at Jerusalem as it was in Christ's lifetime. And Matthew, in our twenty-fourth chapter, seems no more to have understood that his divine master was prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem than did the rest of the apostles, but he must have understood it had he recorded the prophecy after the destruction of Jerusalem as clearly as we understand it now. Matthew's professional employment, as being that of one who handled the pen of the ready writer, 
would cause him to be looked to the earliest for such a task as a memoir of his lord and memoirs would seem to have been the early title of our gospels for justin martyr speaks of them frequently as memoirs and only two or three times calls them gospels they seem to have soon lost the first title for no one repeats it after justin martyr in concluding my observations on the first evangelist i think i shall be borne out in my affirmation by those who hear me when i say there is no truth in the assertion of strauss that no one knows who wrote the first gospel no one knows who matthew was nobody knows when it was written or where it was written end of chapter recording by brett downey